Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. If you thought getting pregnant was confusing, the varying information surrounding birth is a whole other level. At home or in the hospital, doula or midwife, epidural or natural, and recently, to store cord blood or not. Today's episode is with Dr. Shimanki of Generate Life, a company focusing on reproductive, genetic, and newborn stem cells. They believe every family should have access to the science they need to protect their loved ones from disease. We discuss what core blood is, what it does, and how it can be used to prevent or treat disease. I ask all the questions possible in the hopes of giving you some answers so you can make an informed, confident decision. All right, Doc. Hey. Thanks for joining me. Okay, I was just talking about how I'm in this mom's group chat and there's someone who's due around the same time as me. So anytime we have a question or anything pops up, we obviously like ask the group chat. And she asked before me, or I didn't ask, I was obviously always planning on doing core blood registry, but she asked the group and the group was so split and had very like intense thoughts about the whole concept. So I'm so excited to talk through this with you. Oh, that that's super interesting to hear because in my experience, people are either have no idea and just are like, I don't understand it or it's too expensive or something like that. Yeah. Or people are really gung-ho. I haven't heard that people are like super anti. So oh, it was like, my doctor said this would never... I could never use it for my child. Like, why would I ever do this? Yeah, that's so. stupid. <laughs> I was like, you all have money. So I would love to know about you, your background, what made you become a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a mom, but my mm. kids are big kids. My daughter just turned 16. You look 12. How is that possible? It's a Zoom filter. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, 
my son is 19. He's turning 20 this year. So oh I'm goodness. totally freaking out. I can tell you that it does go really fast. I know that's such a cliche, but like it really, you are an adult and like your life kind of stays the same. And the next thing you know, you have these kids that are practically adults. So yeah, um, yeah. so there's that. And then, um, <laughs> you know, as a physician, so my specialty in medicine is pathology, mm-hmm. um, which it makes perfect sense in retrospect because I was one of those funny kids that, I equally loved art and science mm-hmm. and I, I probably more wanted to be a fashion designer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought I'll be a little more conservative and go into medicine. But I found this field where, you know, it, it's a discipline that relies on your pattern recognition and mm-hmm. sort of visual cues to help diagnose things for people. So it was, you know, the perfect thing for me that I I stumbled on. And of course, I had no idea at the time, even as a practicing pathologist at one point, that I would end up as the chief medical officer of Generate Life Sciences. But it it really has turned out to be a a dream job. It's it's So how did that happen? Yeah. So it happened in the way that, you know, I always tell my kids, you have to follow your heart. You have to be passionate about your work. and doors will open. And that's exactly what happened to me. So that, and and you have to work hard too. (laughs) Um, It's hard to tell your teenagers that important piece, but um, so I was a pathologist in private practice and my expertise was in women's health. So like breast cancer and also blood banking. So I was in private practice. I was actually recruited to work for California Cryobank, which is our sperm bank. And at the time, we had a small cord blood bank, which was so that we could offer newborn stem cell services to people who were donor conceived. And then in around 2018, we merged with CBR, and CBR is the world's largest newborn stem cell bank. So overnight, I got to really help a lot more people use my background in cord blood and blood banking, apply it to cord blood. And so now I get to help people protect families every day. It's super awesome. So what is cord blood and cord tissue? Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about the umbilical cord Mm -hmm. and more specifically the placental blood that is retained in the umbilical cord after the baby's born and also the tissue. So you can preserve both that blood that's remaining as well as the tissue. And the reason you do that is because it turns out that the umbilical cord is this amazing source of two very specialized types of stem cells that are present in that residual blood and also in this sort of squishy tissue that's surrounding the the blood vessels. And it turns out, of course, we all have lots of stem cells in our bodies, even as adults, but doctors discovered a little over 30 years ago that there's these characteristics of the stem cells in cord blood that are really unique and they can help save lives or significantly improve lives. Which is insanely fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) And so what is like the goal of banking the blood and the tissue? Because I think that's the hard thing for a lot of people is like, okay, cool. Like this can be used at some point. I don't know. And I'm paying money every month for this, but like, you know, what is like the, what's the goal here? 
Yeah, sure. So, I mean, quite simply, the goal is to preserve the newborn stem cells that are are present in this in this blood and tissue. You have one opportunity to do it. And with the idea that if your family ever needed them in the future, they would be there. And you only have to do this for one child, correct? Well, actually, I would recommend that you do it for all of your children. Again, this is if you can afford it. You know, I try to help people understand the various reasons why you should bank stem cells. So I totally understand that, first of all, none of us want to think about the possibility of something bad happening to our child and anticipating that they have some kind of disease and thinking, oh, this is insurance. So there's definitely a school of thought that says, well, this is insurance. But I actually am more excited about the emerging cellular therapy uses that fall Mm. in this regenerative medicine category, where I truly believe that in the next several years, there are going to be more and more ways that we can use these stem cells that are actually useful for the entire family and for things that kind of affect all of us at some point as we age. Mm-hmm. Um, so degenerative conditions. Okay. So um, maybe I should actually tell you a little bit more about kind of the basic ways that cord blood and cord tissue are used. Because okay. I think as an industry, we haven't done a great job helping people understand that for sure. So to start from the beginning, you know, there's two major areas of science that newborn stem cells help families with. Okay. One is this the traditional way or the classic way that people are familiar with. And that's the one that doctors discovered about 30 years ago. Um, And that's where stem cells are used for a bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. But this is the one where they say, oh, there's like a one in however many thousand chance that I'm going to use this. Interestingly, you know, we know lots of families who had no idea at the time they stored that they would use their stem cells for that purpose. We recently shared on our blog the story of this amazing family where they used a big brother's cord blood for a stem cell transplant to treat their baby boy who was born with an immune disorder, skid or bubble boy disease. Mm. And, you know, it's an incredible story and they had no idea they were going to need to use the cord blood. But it's true in that transplant setting, the likelihood of use is pretty rare. Thank God, because we don't want our kids to be born with Yeah, but I, I know multiple people who have had to have bone marrow transplants. And, you know, we see often on Instagram people saying, oh, this person in my friend group is sick, if anybody, you know, so to, to think, oh, I have this within my family and it's not this desperate in an emotional, in a time where, it's, you know, you feel like life and death to have the tools to fix or help fix something yourself seems very powerful. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, what's interesting is that there's this other whole area that is so new and so emerging that even doctors aren't super familiar with it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I've referred to this word already, which is it's captured under regenerative medicine. And regenerative medicine is this huge umbrella and it's actually all different kinds of treatments but the, the key is that you're more often than not using a child's own stem cells for treatments. Mm-hmm. There are typically things that are of a degenerative nature, like cerebral palsy or autism. 
but there's new therapies that are like immune-based therapies and gene therapy that will all fall under regenerative medicine and can all be used from cord blood or cord tissue. But there's literally hundreds of clinical trials right now looking at regenerative medicine uses of these newborn stem cells. So I, as a parent, would want to make sure that I've captured the opportunity to take advantage of those clinical treatments in the future, even though they're still sort of under, they're under evaluation. Embarrassing question if this is stupid. Um, (laughs) I have a family friend who has been struggling with liver cancer and had to have a transplant, a young girl my age. And at what point can we like grow a liver from her stem cells if we had them banked? Like, is that something? And and the way that medicine works, I'm assuming it's all working so fast that it probably is within the reality that if you're having a child now in the next 30, 15, 30 years, that that's probably going to be a reality. Is that something you would... It's definitely conceivable. So there have been pretty compelling studies looking at using cord blood as a starting material to grow important parts of the eye to treat blindness Hmm. and also the islet cells, which are the little, little clusters of cells in a pancreas that produce insulin to help treat diabetes. Oh, wow. So those are some of the first studies that are looking at this idea of actually growing organs. I mean, people love talking about this because, I mean, can you imagine it would change everything if we could do that? The liver is like such a complex organ. (laughs) (laughs) But, But I think, you know, and I think it's probably gonna be one of these things where we don't necessarily, it's not gonna be so science fiction-y where you can like 3D print an organ. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, what we're learning is that stem cells and whether they come from newborn stem cells or whether they come from sort of adult sources can be programmed because they're at such an early stage in development. They can be programmed to interact with our bodies in a way to help stimulate repair. Got it. That makes sense. Right. So, and decrease inflammation and all the things that actually make disease sort of ultimately, you know, take advantage of us. It's like a living drug. And so it knows how to talk Mm. to the parts of our bodies that are damaged and stimulate the repair. Um, So that's, that's kind of what ties all these regenerative medicine applications together. I would assume with the growing rate of disease in this country, that this would be something that hopefully soon becomes obvious. I mean, it's unfortunate that this is like, now here's another thing that separates people with wealth and those that don't from having access to something that is life-changing. And that's just the unfortunate part of America in itself. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Um, But what are the most common diseases or what are the most common things that you're seeing in children that stem cells can help. You know, we obviously know like autism is on the rise or like, you know, it's like what one in two people now get cancer. So how quick, and like, how does that work? Is that, yeah. is that, is that another expensive process to then take the stem cells and 
and use them? Is that something that's going to be really expensive? But then again, it's like any treatment for anything, unfortunately, in this country is highly expensive anyway. Yes, you're very well aware. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you're going you, into debt either way. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I mean, it's, it's an unfortunate reality that the fact of the matter is the way that we can develop new therapeutic uses for things like stem cells is you want it to go through a clinical trial process. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously for the safety of the, the children or the, you know, the people involved. Um, but clinical trials are expensive. And so when you're designing a clinical trial, you have to start with a good idea, a good hypothesis where you say, you know, we've observed that kids who get a cord blood transplant for an inherited condition mm-hmm. that affects their ability to walk or move or speak after their transplant, they not only are treated of that genetic condition, but they also are regaining some of their ability to walk and move and speak. So I wonder if these cells actually have a way of repairing damaged nerve tissue, Mm -hmm. right? So that leads to a hypothesis where they say, let's take kids like those who were born with cerebral palsy or autism and see if we can help address some of their deficits. So then you launch this 10, 20 year process, which Mm -hmm. is very expensive and it requires grants and people who are interested in supporting this good research to get enough kids to study and to see if it's A, safe, and then B, if it's effective. Mm -hmm. So we are, we're in the process of studying these types of conditions and we're, we're limited right now based on the fact that you have to move slowly. You're very much dependent on people having stored their newborn stem cells mm-hmm. and then so interested in enrolling in a clinical trial. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I look at this and I think about this every day. So I can say, oh my gosh, there are innumerable conditions that we could address with stem cells tomorrow. I know it. I am absolutely certain that newborn stem cells would be a really cool way to help those people that have the long COVID syndrome. Have you heard of these people that yes. are suffering? And it's like very similar to chronic fatigue syndrome. Yes. Like everything I know about, about cord tissue, we've got to try this. But the process of going from a hypothesis to Millions funding a clinical trial, right? is so years. much money. Yeah. Um, so it's time and patience. But in the meantime, if people just say, well, it's not proven yet. So I don't want to store the tissue because so that was basically the, and, and obviously these weren't, uh, you know, it was like my doctor said that this would never benefit my child is right. was what, and then they were like this. So I think this is ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. which, which I was kind of like, it's the same idea on which I promote often on the podcast. Like if you eat healthy now, <laughs> like, if you invest a little bit of money now seeing a doctor or, you know, signing up for something like parsley or getting your hormones done with like modern fertility, like you spend a little bit of money now, this is preventative medicine. So I I would assume this would fall under that same category of like, if it has a slight possibility of of saving a life of of you or someone in your family or your child, why would that not just be something that, Right. We just go for. But what is your response to, sorry, no, I'm rambling. 
because the direct feedback was from the girls who said that they, which I understand if my doctor said the same thing, I would have the same stance, especially considering the financial aspect, which is my Mm -hmm. doctor said this will never directly help my child. So why would I do it? Where do you think that comes from? Well, first of all, I don't think that there's any way somebody could say with certainty that it would never help your child. So Mm -hmm. you take the the family I just told you about with this baby was born with the bubble boy disease. Mm -hmm. They had no idea until he was two months old or maybe one month old and his newborn screening came back and they said, you have to get to the hospital right away. So I know, but amazing family, by the way. So people should go read about them on our blog because they are so cute. You guys have a lot of really amazing stories. Amazing Real families. But you know, the other thing that I always tell people is, so doctors are thinking of this old school, relevant, but old school statistic, which is the likelihood you're going to use a cord blood unit for your child if they develop cancer or if they're born with one of these rare genetic conditions. And those statistics are based entirely on the incidence of childhood cancer and genetic conditions, Mm -hmm. which is low. So you're right. For you, Pia, the likelihood is one in like 3,000. Okay. But if you are the one person who uses it, you're going to say, oh my God, thank God. But the other thing that doctors are not quoting, and by the way, I don't blame them because when we are in medical school, we are taught to look at public health statistics like dollars per life saved. Mm -hmm. And so you look at efficiencies in that way. And then you can say to your your patient objectively, here's the likelihood of use based on the last 30 years. But that is very different than a personal cost benefit ratio. And it is not taking into account the fact that 85% of the units that are released from our bank are for regenerative medicine uses which are not included in those statistics because they're not yet FDA approved therapies. It's been so fascinating becoming a pregnant person and asking why and then contextualizing research and case studies and being like, oh, well, that was, that was out of context. (laughs) (laughs) And now I like, and and it's, and I understand this is a complicated system. You are taught. I mean, I can't, Medical school, how much information are you getting? Like, this is like a human body. How like, uh, what? Like, how, so how are you supposed to know what's going on with the human body? And then the innumerable studies and the endless research on what to tell your patients. And then couple that with a doctor's upbringing and their own view of certain things. I mean, there's, it's impossible for everyone to agree on everything or view things in the same way. And that's just the human condition. And it's what makes us beautiful. But it is more fascinating to think, okay, let's really contextualize the larger picture here, which is also, God forbid, you are that one in 3000. Well, you know what we've learned so acutely in this pandemic is Mm-hmm. how little we actually know. <laughs> like, it's been so incredibly humbling for all of us, but I think especially for the field of medicine, because I was in Japan in the end of February. I think I flew back from Japan on like March 3rd or something Which was last like year. When we were right? like went into the extreme lockdown. And it's, 
I know it's insane. I can't believe we did that. But my husband and I was there for business. My husband, who's also a doctor, we're there together and everybody's wearing masks. And we're like typical Americans. We're like, "Eh, do we need a mask? Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason was I, I totally, I totally justified it by saying, this is a droplet spread disease. Here's what I learned in medical school about how droplets are spread. You have to be within so many feet. You have to be around someone who's symptomatic. Like all these assertions that we made, we were so confident. And then of course, six months later, it's like, no, 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 it's aerosolized. There's a third of the people are asymptomatic spreaders. And I was like, okay, this is a fascinating story. That's incredible because you did apply to your best knowledge what you do. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, you can literally only know what you have previously experienced. Mm -hmm. And to, and the, the key thing, like just as humans, but especially as doctors, and it's really hard because especially as a doctor, and when you're seeing patients all day, every day, right. You have to be consistent in your message. You have to, you have a certain amount of information that you have to share and educate And yet you still have to pick up on those individual differences between people. Mm -hmm. And there's literally not enough time for a doctor to look at you and say, okay, here's all, here are all your individual metrics that we Mm -hmm. have. And I'm going to take the best care of you, but I also have to make sure you're not eating too much sushi and you're not eating, you know, soft cheese from France and all these things. Oh, and by the way, um, cord blood may be a good idea for your family, but here are all the things you have to think about and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's a 20 yeah. minute conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For your hour appointment, which like, if you're lucky, it's an hour and you've been waiting in the waiting room for 45 minutes. And I mean, there's just totally a, lot of, have to pee. <laughs> a lot of people in the world. So it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel for doctors and when I talk to them, I have converted many non-believers because I say, yes, but are you aware of this? And mm-hmm. we're trained to be, to be scientifically skeptical makes you a good scientist. You ask mm-hmm. why you say, prove it to me. And, and that's what you want in your doctor, but there just isn't enough access to that information. And there's just not enough time for doctors to be able to, to really impart that important knowledge to everybody. So I think it's up to me. I have to talk to every single pregnant woman in this country. <laughs> no, but no, it's, it's, I feel for people because it's really confusing stuff and it's hard to get the right information and it is expensive. And, you know, you, you don't want consumers to feel like they're being taken advantage of for sure. No, but I think there's also this very interesting dynamic on top of this whole thing, which is that and now I'm seven months into this. So I'm learning is that every mom, part of my French is so fucking different. And it doesn't mean to be, can totally be a trigger for another mom. And people who are your best friends can do things or not do things with their child that are the exact opposite of what you would do. And all of it is okay. All of it is okay. Like that, it's been this like very interesting thing, like having this, you know, like, I mean, down to everything. It's like judgment about the snoo. Oh, the snoo is great. Oh, I have a night nurse. Or like people being like, I would never have a stranger in here holding my child. Like some people use pacifiers. Some people, I mean, it never ends. 
it goes down to the kind of goddamn diaper you use. So I really think like, you know, we're never going to live in a world where everyone agrees with us and, and thank God we don't. So I think it's really just about doing your own, your own research. And it's great that we have things like podcasts where we can have these conversations. Yeah. And so, and for me, you know, as someone who, you know, I don't have like endless disposable income, like I take care of two people right now. Like the thought of, you know, having another thing to spend money on with totally. a child was something totally. that I very much, and, and, you know, my husband's Italian and the way that they view medicine is so different. He doesn't even go to the doctor. So <laughs> Me neither, by the way, <laughs> a lot of layers there too, yeah. totally. but you know, I, I think that you're never going to understand, uh, uh, and hopefully we will never have to that it makes me emotional thinking about that moment of doing whatever you can to save your child if god forbid they get sick so i think that having this conversation can be a helpful one if it is something that people's minds yeah. are open to because i'm someone who is very aware of, of the fact that people are getting sick around me and around us and that this isn't normal and that this is very environmental and that we just have yeah. to like adjust as a society the fact that simple fact that like our environment is making us sick. And so we're going to have to alter like what we think is normal in terms of like preventative medicine or medicine in general to like offset those numbers. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I mean, you touched on a few things that I, I so relate to, you know, first of all, as a mom and especially as your children grow, like talk about the individualism of parenting, you're going to adjust literally every day. (laughs) Okay, no, we're doing it like this now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you can have the best laid plans, but it is such a... Parenting is like the hardest thing in the world. And on top of that, moms especially, I mean, we're so inclined to judge ourselves for whether we did it right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my God, mom, you're, you're doing the best you can. Like we're all doing our best every day anyway. And when you add parenting to it, like, and the guilt that comes with, did I do it wrong? It's just the worst. Like we have to let that go. Mm -hmm. So even when it comes to something like whether you decide to bank cord blood or not, like if you decide for your family, it's not right for your family, then move on Mm -hmm. because there's a million other decisions you're going to have to make and you're going to do your best. And what I just hope is that people are given the space to really make personal decisions for their family and they don't succumb to either, you know, social media imposed pressure to do something or whether they get an opinion from their doctor and they don't feel right about it, but they feel bad about asking follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we all need to have the opportunity to get our questions answered, to make a decision but then allow yourself to make that decision and, and accept this is right for my family and move on and don't have that like retrospective guilt or fear or frustration. This is just one of a million things that are going to torture you in the middle of the night that you wonder if you did it right. Of course. I have a son at college. I am like, Oh my God, did I do it right? (laughs) It's too late to change. 
I remember my mom dropped me off at the airport to move to New York to go to college and like at the airport went like regressed and was like, wait, did I teach you enough about how to make food? Like, do you know how to like proper, like, what if you get a stain on your shirt? And I'm not, and I was like, I know how you taught me how to do all of it. I'm fine. I know. So let's talk about like the actual process. And then I have an interesting question because I, and again, here's another thing that has so many different opinions. Uh, Aviva Ram, a doctor that I love and admire, uh, I asked her recently about delayed cord clamping and its benefits. She was someone who doesn't find any benefit to it. My midwife does. Um, if you are someone who wants to do delayed cord clamping, um, my midwife told me you can't do it if you are you know, banking cord blood because they need that blood immediately. Is that true? No, that's not true. There was a big kerfluffle like two or three years ago in the US where people were very worried about whether you could do both. And I think it came at a time when there was a lot of hospitals that were making sort of global policy recommendations that you should do delayed cord clamping. Mm -hmm. And so people immediately said, well, then you can't do cord blood. One does not preclude the other is the important take-home point. Um, the key is how long you do the delayed clamping for. And so, I mean, the idea is you don't want to be perfusing your child after he or she's been born for like two minutes. It's too long. So I'm kicking myself because I haven't looked at it in a, in a while, but I think it's anything under a minute and it doesn't substantially impact the cord blood collection. Okay. Um, Plus, I mean, the key is, so an ideal cord blood collection is going to have a higher volume because you have more blood, more stem cells. But for most of the indications that we're looking when we talk about those regenerative medicine things, the cell dose matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as it does in a transplant setting. And more importantly, we're starting to enter a world where the idea of cell expansion is becoming more and more reality. There is an approved method for expanding cells and one defined setting right now, and that is only going to be more and more the case. So you can take a little part of the stem cells and multiply them into more. Exactly. If for some reason though, you bank your cord blood and you send it to us and it's just a really crummy sample, like there's nothing in there, we'll call and let you know. Mm. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like we're not gonna be like, don't tell. <laughs> um, so no, I think in the cases there's lots of education and and just getting sort of midwives on board with the idea that you can do both. I think is really key. Okay, cool. So, yeah. and then what is the actual process? So you order a kit, is that correct? Yeah. And then you make sure you bring it with you to the hospital in your hospital bag, and you make sure that the nurses are aware and your doctor is aware. And they are capable of just collecting the sample themselves? Yeah, it's, it's basically it. So you can enroll either online or over the phone. We have a great staff to talk to if you have questions. Lots of people have questions and other banks do as well. So after you've enrolled, they'll send you a kit. You just have to remember to bring the kit with you. And when you do, and you're in the hospital, or even if you're at home. I could never have had a home birth. I'm a total weenie, but you could do that. (laughs) You just need to make sure your doctor or your nurse, your midwife knows, and they'll take it from there. So it's, it's very self-explanatory. All 
kits, once you open them up, are pretty much the same, which okay. means that anybody who's collected cord blood before knows how to use whatever's inside the box. Okay. Um, and then they'll also take, there's maternal blood samples that need to be drawn. They use those for infectious disease screening, just in case you ever need to use the cord blood. You need to have that panel. But other than that, that's it. It's pretty simple. And how do you get it? How does it get to you? Like once we've, do you oh, just to, to me. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Yeah, so there's instructions inside the kit. So nobody has to memorize this, of course, with everything going on. But what you do is you call a courier. So we have a special medical courier that will come meet you at the hospital and will pick up the kit. And then it gets shipped to our facility is in uh, Tucson, Arizona. So the kit will be received in Tucson and then it's processed. And, you know, when you actually look inside, it looks like a giant ice cream factory. <laughs> it's a huge, <laughs> um, it's a huge manufacturing facility. There's almost a million units that are stored in our facility in Tucson. So it's a pretty impressive, uh, wow. impressive operation, but yeah. And what makes CBR different from any other companies? Well, I mean, for one thing, as, as I just said, having almost a million units in storage and being the, yeah. the biggest in the world, it means you have to have really sophisticated systems for keeping those stem cells safe at all times, which, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. And so you want to know where your cord blood is processed and how it's processed and how it's stored and that it's safe. So that's really key. But also CBR is the leader in research and development, particularly for the private cord blood industry. So we've always supported clinical trials. We have many of our own clinical trials going now. Our research and development team is is working on a cellular therapy product that's derived from the cord tissue that we store, which is very cool. We're working on probably four different clinical trials we hope to start this year just using cord tissue. I think that's really important because you want to know that it's not just the cells are safe, but if you ever need to use them, that you've got a company that can help you use the cells. And then the other thing, I mean, there's a lot of things I love about my company, but I think being part of Generate Life Sciences is cool because you have access to other services we offer. So we have a newborn screening test called ReadyGen, which is pretty incredible. And there's an opportunity to get that for a really great bundled price. So, Oh, you guys do newborn screening. Because I know that you guys do a lot of fertility stuff, but a newborn screening yeah. is cool. And then that's kind of magical because you can do that right away. And then if anything pops up, it's almost like, okay, cool. Exactly. And we also have your stem cells to hopefully yeah. help if anything pops up in this panel that's abnormal. Exactly. And we specifically chose, there's about a hundred and... 80 or so conditions on the ReadyGen panel, we selected them to specifically look for conditions that they manifest in children. So we're not looking for things that are sort of adult diseases that have severe morbidity and mortality. So stuff that you would want to know about. And the really key thing is that a lot of times kids with those diseases are born looking completely normal and they develop symptoms over time. And most of these things are not on state newborn screening. I was going to say they must go untreated for so long. Yeah. And the thing is, is if you know about them, you can actually address them. So there isn't anything on the panel that isn't addressable. So it's not like just another worry panel. It's actually something to help you as a parent to identify something. And about 
20 conditions that are on the panel are treatable with newborn stem cells. So that's pretty neat as well. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty new. A lot of people don't know about it yet. We just introduced it in the beginning of last year, but we've all been living in this weird time warp. So I don't think I have <laughs> learned about it yet. Yeah. And so how much does the kit cost? And then what are the monthly fees to store the stem cells? You know, the cost is right now an like incredible deal. <laughs> There's like some amazing promotion that they're doing. And I don't even want to give you the number because I'm afraid I'm going to give you the wrong number and I'm the doctor. Okay, so I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. <laughs> but it's like a really, really good time to enroll. But the key is that, you know, so you have lots of options. You can pay to you can pay for the processing fee and then you can pay an annual storage fee or you can pay for all of the storage like all at once and never think about it again. And I know they also have payment plans for people who want to have just sort of like a monthly payment for a year or something. So there's a lot of different ways that you can go about paying for it. And if you ever had an annual storage account and you decided not to store anymore, then you could just not store it anymore. I think that's the other thing people don't think about when they're like really on the fence, like just store it and then change your mind. If yeah. for some reason you guys five years from now say, why did we do this? People don't generally do that, but I'm <laughs> just saying it's not. And just for the conspiracy theorists, are you going to use those cells <laughs> for something else? Or you would, because you are, I'm sure you're a moral based company. You would then destroy those cells, correct? Oh, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no, no. <laughs> I can just picture someone being like, well, then they have your DNA and then they're going to use right, it for exactly. <laughs> Now you know the real secret to why my skin looks so good for my age. <laughs> I'm making the really like stem cell masks out of micro needling the stem cells into your face every day. <laughs> but well, I, if I, if I could figure out how to do that, I would, but I wouldn't use other people's cells. <laughs> oh, one more thing before we go. I also want to, in case, just to be very clear, your newborn stem cells can also very much help other members of your family, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In, in the case of transplant, most of the uses in children are the best for siblings. In the case of regenerative medicine, I would say it's 50-50. So okay. of the units that we've released, about half of them are for kids to use in, for themselves and the other has been for siblings. So yeah, absolutely. And as we see additional case studies added in clinical uses, there's lots of reasons to believe it could help adults in the family as well. Amazing. Where can parents learn more about CBR? Cordblood.com. <laughs> and I would highly recommend looking at the blog on there because the real life stories are just... Oh my gosh. The kids are so cute. And I have to tell you, the older I get, the like... I cry so much easier now. I think it's because my kids have, are like leaving me. <laughs> but these little kids, oh, they're so cute. They, they definitely pull my heartstrings. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. And I'm, I'm so fascinated and honored to be able to share this information with our listeners. Oh, it was a pleasure. So nice to meet you and uh, enjoy enjoy the rest of your pregnancy as much as you can. Thank you. I will. And I'm, congratulations. I'm, thank you. She's kicking me. So this whole time she's been, I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. 
I, I had phantom kicking like for years after I had my babies. I wonder if other people have that. Like I would still feel it. So you'll I'm, well, I that. wonder about that often how, when this goes away, if I'll Weird. still fake feel it or if I'll miss it, or I'm trying to just be very in the moment with everything. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.